You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero, and with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, BLG? Stats, uh, always a pleasure to be here with you, especially, I guess, when the Eagles are in the playoff picture, which they are currently, but we can talk about that later. Uh, I'm doing well, Stats. Had a Merry Christmas. Hope, you know, the same for you and all of our listeners here. Happy holidays. Spent some time with my parents, who are big listeners of this podcast, if you didn't know that, Stats. So, uh, right. big fans of you, in addition to me. So, there we go. Well, that, that kind of brightened my day a little bit, not going to lie. We are going to break down the entire playoff picture, AFC, NFC, Monday Night Football, all of that stuff. Before we do, we want to remind you that the SB Nation NFL show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNNFL only at DraftKings. A little bit of news before we get started, BLG. Spotify has reviews right now. So if you've been following the show, you like the show, you appreciate the show, you want to support us, and you listen on Spotify, well, guess what? Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. It is the best thing you can do to help the show. No matter where you listen, five-star ratings and reviews, we love them. All right, let's start with Monday Night Football. The Dolphins molly whip the Saints 20-3. to Ian Book, Stunner. Couldn't get it done. We need to break this one down because the Miami Dolphins BLG are in the midst of a historic run right now after a one and seven start. So we bring in Justin Heyer from the Finsider, our SB Nation Dolphins community. Justin, thanks for a few minutes this morning. Yeah, thanks for having us, guys. Good for having me, guys. It's a great morning for me as well with my Dolphins on a on a seven straight run coming off that Monday Night Football win. So I'm excited to be here. Everything's exciting right now if you're a Miami Dolphin fan. 20 to three, they handle their business when they were one and seven. Did this even enter your mind as a possibility? When we were one and seven, I was already looking at 2022 draft prospects. So no, it did not (laughs) enter my mind as a possibility. I mean, it's crazy to think that the Dolphins made history on Monday night and uh, they are the first team in NFL history now to have both a seven game winning streak and a seven game losing streak in the same season. Uh, Yeah, I believe that that is the first time that's happened. That's pretty wild. What do you think has been the biggest key to this turnaround? I think a couple of things. First and foremost is a complete 180 from Miami's defense. This team is now leading the NFL in sacks. It's top 10 in most defensive categories. And that's after starting the season through the first eight games, bottom five in most defensive categories. And now they're, now they're top 10. So that's first and foremost. And Miami's offense is kind of feeding off of that defensive juice that, that Brian Flores' defensive unit is bringing. You can just see the whole team, the offense included, is more energetic 
there's just a little more oomph all around. And the team looked a little bit lethargic through those first eight games. Part of that was that there were a lot of injuries all around, particularly to, to Tua Tungvaloa, who is now playing some of his best football. Last night, maybe not the best example of that, but even in a game where he wasn't at his best, he still completed 73% of his passes and led the Dolphins on a key scoring drive, hit a key deep pass to Matt Collins. So uh, that that defensive resurgence has kind of helped the entire team. Now, one of the reasons I like to have somebody from the team that we're talking about on the show is occasionally I've been told I can be a little negative. And I'm going to go there right now because I look at the seven-game winning streak and I look in here and I say, okay, two of those wins came against the Jets. One came against the Giants. One came against the Panthers. One came against the Texans. It's not exactly the cream of the crop in the NFL that the Dolphins have faced during this time. Is that fair, or am I just the mayor of Negative Town? Well, Rob, in in my in my group chats with my friends, I'm often talked about as the overly positive, overly optimistic guy. So this is like this is my kind of <laughs> my kind of run that we're going on. Uh, and you're right; it has not. They have not beaten teams like the Chiefs or the Buccaneers, right, or the Packers. But seven wins in a row is seven wins in a row in the NFL. That is really hard to do, and there's a reason it's never in history been done after seven straight losses. Because it doesn't really matter who you're playing in the NFL, it's any given Sunday, right? So uh, the fact that they've beaten those sort of downtrodden teams certainly makes it look like, okay, these last two wins against the Titan or these last two games against the Titans and the New England Patriots are going to be a quote unquote real test to see if they're playoff worthy. But you got to You got to give credit where credit is due. I think the Ravens win, you know, that really kicked all this off was pretty impressive. Um, you know, obviously, I think there are some, you know, quarterbacks on there that make you kind of like, huh, huh. Since then, you know, you talk about like Cam Newton and you mentioned stats, Mike Lennon, Zach Wilson in here, Joe Flacco, uh, Tarod Taylor, Mac Jones in his first start. Um, yeah, so not not a murderer's row. Ian Book, yeah. who was just come on, like he didn't have a chance out there. Like there was, <laughs> it was he was DOA. Um, so yeah, that's something to consider here. Um, but looking at the rest of the Dolphins season here, uh, okay, so they win. They're currently in the seventh seed in the AFC playoff picture. But as we know, uh, it's a pretty competitive field because there have only been uh, three teams in the AFC that are actually officially eliminated from contention by now. So looking at the rest of the way for the Dolphins, they play the Titans and then they wrap up with the Patriots. So they beat all the way back in week one uh, in the season finale, week 18. Do the Dolphins hang on to a playoff spot? And might they even be able to win the AFC East? I don't think they'll be able to win the AFC East as positive and optimistic as I like to be because the Buffalo Bills would have to lose two straight and they play, I believe the Falcons and the Jets. And that's, I mean, the way they just played the New England Patriots, I don't think that's particularly likely, but hold on to a playoff spot. I mean, the Dolphins somehow after starting one and seven control their own destiny. And so, you know, you, you win and you're in. And I do think that this team is built the way it's playing right now, the way the defense especially is playing to be able to beat, a Titans team, especially one without Derrick Henry and a Patriots team that they already beat week one before they went on this magical run. So certainly possible uh, if you go through the 538.com playoff predictor, which I think a lot of people are doing right now on Twitter. If the Dolphins lose one, it's a, a very low percentage chance that they make the playoffs. They would need a lot of help. So this is a kind of have to win out scenario. But I do think this Dolphins team is built to do that. Speaking of the building of this Dolphins team, you cannot build a team without a franchise quarterback. Tua Tungavailoa is here. Oh, no. He is playing. We've reached that point in the interview, Justin. Have you seen enough? Is he your guy? And if you don't know by now, isn't that kind of your answer? He is definitely my guy for 2022. There, there's no question. What 
Tua is able to do behind what is, by some metrics, a league-worst offensive line, and pretty much by all metrics, a bottom five offensive line, is pretty darn impressive. To be able to be leading the league in completion percentage, to have the command of the offense that he has, to be able to have turned Jalen Waddell into, by some metrics, should be an offensive rookie of the year candidate. Obviously, that chemistry that they had together from Alabama helps. He's my guy for 2022. I don't see why you would move on from a quarterback who is playing this well in his second season. He is not currently Patrick Mahomes. He is not currently, even though it irritates some Dolphins fans because he went one pick after, where Justin Herbert is. But what he's showing right now with the pieces that he's showing it with, to me, means, I mean, absolutely. On a rookie contract, I am keeping this quarterback around for at least another year and hopefully a lot longer than that. To what extent are you satisfied with a trade that is obviously uh, relevant to me as well as someone who covers the Philadelphia Eagles? And obviously there was that big deal between the Eagles and the Dolphins back in the draft earlier this year. And early on in the season, it was not looking very good for the Dolphins when they were 1-7. And I was like, oh, this could be a, at least a top five pick, probably a top 10 pick, maybe even number one overall. Probably, you know, I don't think anyone thought 100% that was going to happen. But it looked at least somewhat possible. So I guess uh, to what extent... Are you satisfied with that trade, especially with Jalen Waddle kind of looking good here? I'm totally satisfied. Obviously, giving up an extra first-round pick to move up for any player is is a tall order and, and a high ask. And I think what made it uh, even more uh, obvious that it might have been too much was the fact that Devonta Smith was still on the board, obviously, to go to the Philadelphia Eagles. But as Dolphins fans have certainly learned, Draft picks don't mean everything, right? You might end up with someone like Austin Jackson or even Noah Igbenogany, the Dolphins' uh, 28th overall pick, I believe, uh, last year, who doesn't even see the field this year. So the extra draft picks don't really matter as long as you get the superstar that you went up to get. And Jalen Model looks like a superstar. He looks fantastic. He's the reason that the offense was able to move down the field at all yesterday. So I'm satisfied with it, despite the the steep price plate, especially because the Dolphins are now eight and seven, and that pick is not going to be a top 10 pick anymore. Everything appears to be good in Miami Dolphin land, and why shouldn't it be? Seven straight wins for Miami, eight and seven on the year. They now control the rest of their season. If they handle their business, they will be in the playoffs. Justin Heyer is with the Finsider here. Justin, we thank you very much for the time this morning. Rob Brandon, thanks so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right, BLG, congratulations to the Dolphins. Let's stay in the AFC playoff picture here for a little bit now because we are in sort of a historic year in the NFL. There are 24 teams that are still mathematically alive to go to the playoffs. That is the second highest total with two weeks left in a season in the past 31 years. So everybody is still alive basically in this thing. And... There's a lot to break down when it comes to the AFC. Right now, Kansas City is the number one seed ho-hum. That's sort of where everybody thought they were going to be, even though they took a crazy road to get there. The Tennessee Titans are number two at 10 and five. If you gave me a list of things that happened in this season that I never would have predicted, I didn't think Tennessee was going to be 10 and five, especially if you tell me that Derrick Henry is going to go down for an extended period of time. And like <clears throat> probably won't get it, but in theory still have a chance at the one seed because they have the tiebreaker with the head to head over the Chiefs. So uh, if the Chiefs, Chiefs somehow slip here and the Titans take advantage, well, they could be the one seed, which is funny if that did happen, because I still think 
you, me, and everyone else would not believe in the Titans at all in terms of a ceiling. Like maybe they could, you know, win a playoff game, especially having a first round bye. But, um, you know, what are they doing beyond that? Like, I think their ceiling would be making the AFC championship game. Um, it is crazy how wide open it is. I'm sure the NFL doesn't mind that <laughs> getting into the final two weeks. Uh, it kind of just speaks to the league this year stats in terms of there aren't these juggernaut teams like it's very easy for all of us to be like well this team is a fraud or you can you can poke holes in basically every team for the yes. most part like even the packers who have freaking aaron Rodgers, who's like 16 touchdowns and zero interceptions in his last like i think four or five games here or whatever like okay they have a point differential as a team worse than the eagles right now like they're 11th in point differential so you can kind of poke holes in any team here uh even the chiefs you know they've had their issues they're looking better now um but again they're not necessarily uh like what they used to be like the chiefs were used to seeing so it is interesting here you know i'm looking at the afc playoff picture i have in front of me and like i i don't know i don't i don't know like <laughs> so on the outside looking in right now like starting with the eight seed and moving down a little bit, you have the Ravens who it kind of just feels like this isn't their year. Like they're just too spent. There's too many absences. You have the Chargers who just lost to the freaking Texans. And I know RJ called me out for that on Monday football Monday. Um, the Raiders are hanging around, but I mean, do you really feel good about them? It feels like their season has been over for a long time. And then it's the Steelers, the Browns, and the Broncos who are still somehow hanging on. So I, it's like all these teams on the outside looking in, you're not seeing like a riser and be like, oh, I, watch out for that team. Yeah, I just feel like we're never going to get an idea of the best team. We're just going to run out of regular season games to play. And whoever happens to be in that spot at that current moment in time are the teams that are going to get in, if that makes sense. By the way, uh, especially wanted, with COVID too. Right. Yeah. I mean, you never even know week to week. I was talking about the Texans. I should mention you have them at number seven in your power rankings this week. Everybody should go to Bleeding Green Nation. Wait, the Texans. The Titans. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I was gonna say, don't don't Titan. you know? Don't try to make me look like an insane person here. I have a mental block with between Texans and Titans for some reason. It's messing me up, and the fact that the 49ers are playing them in back-to-back -back weeks is not helping with my brain. But uh, no, the Tennessee Titans are number seven in your power rankings for week 17 up on BleedingGreenNation.com, the only 100% accurate power rankings in the entire NFL podcast kingdom. Let's talk about the Chargers game a little bit, BLG. Do we you have know, to? I mean, this is inexcusable, and it, it was hideously bad for Justin Herbert and that team that's as talented as they are to not only lose to Houston, Houston put up 41. Like it was a whooping from Houston over the chargers. How is this team? So Jekyll and Hyde. Sometimes they look so fantastic. And then they go out like they did on Sunday and just put up a stinker. It's a great question stats. And I will push back on RJ's criticism of the chargers from the point of, Going into this year, I was foolish to believe in them. I mean, they had a good offseason in terms of, like, they built up their offensive line. Justin Herbert showed an incredible amount of promise last year behind a really bad offensive line. So I was like, okay, you know, that's going to lead to him having more success. And, you know, Anthony Lynn is gone. It's a new coaching staff. I thought Brandon Staley did some really good things with the Rams. I was encouraged about his outlook. And it just felt like things could change for the Chargers. They're not going to be – they don't have to be the Chargers of old again because there are changes here. But somehow they are. Like, I, I, I never get this. I mean, this was kind of even happening with the Falcons a little bit last year when they fired Dimitrov and they fired Dan Quinn and they were like still blowing games. So it's like, well, what, how is this still going on? Like you're changing the pieces and the same results are happening. Like I know we can say it's the Chargers and we point to them blowing things all the time. 
and never living up to expectations. But like when when it's different people, is it like the logo? You know, is it like what is what is embedded in there that is causing this to happen? I don't know. I, I did say in my picks against the spread column, which no one cares about, but I'm bleeding Green Nation heading into this game. I felt uneasy about taking the Chargers because they have burned us before. And sure enough, they did. I took the, the Chargers to win, but I, I was like, I didn't feel great about it. So uh, they're not dead yet. You know, they are hanging on here. They're eight and seven. Uh, they have a chance to make a run. The rest of the season, they get um, the, as I look at the schedule here and I can't find them, who do they have left? So they have the, the Raiders. have the Broncos and the Raiders. So, you know, they could win out. That's not impossible. Um, do I trust them to do it implicitly? I don't, but you know, they're still an affing. They're not dead in the water. You can't stick in a fork, stick a fork in them just yet. At least I wouldn't. The league leaders in interceptions, there's actually five. They're all tied. Ryan Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, Taylor Heineke, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. You told me Justin Herbert was going to be leading the league in interceptions by week 17. I never would have believed you. Honestly, I got, he was our pick for MVP. And it has just yep. not been there this year. What's a worse loss? Justin Herbert and the Chargers to the Texans or oh, Kirk man. Cousins to the Detroit Lions? Well, Kirk Cousins to the Detroit Lions because you guys talk true. about how great he is. Well, you guys talk about how great he is. He's not Cousins that great. Cousins led his team on the go-ahead touchdown drive at the end of that game, and his defense gacked right, it we're up. We're not going to relitigate this whole thing. The Chargers yeah, also, got like, they... whooped by Houston. They couldn't even get within a score. The Vikings also scored like six points in that game until like the fourth quarter or something. Like that's not good enough. Um, anyway, uh, also Kirk Cousins is not in his second year with a first year head coach. Like there's some differences here. Um, but yeah, it's not Boy, great. Look Obviously, at the excuses come out for people you like. This is unbelievable. Yeah, that's what it's all about. I'm never wrong. <laughs> I'm just uh, I can just shift things around to make uh, myself look right. You're never wrong. We just haven't waited enough to see you eventually come out right in the end. Correct. Uh, you mentioned the Baltimore Ravens. Like, I, I don't even feel like it's fair to judge them. They have so many guys on IR, plus they've got all the COVID absences. Where did you have them in your power rankings? So I had them. I dropped them down to number 13 from 11. Yeah, I, that's what I wrote. I just like there's only like they have this toughness. And John Harbaugh is a good head coach and everything. And there's some resiliency there. But let me go so far. Like, you, can't, you can't ride that all the way to the Super Bowl or even potentially a playoff spot when you've been snake bitten like they have. Again, there's sometimes there's just teams that it's just not your year. Like, and sometimes it is a team's year and they win the Super Bowl and they get all the breaks. And sometimes there's teams on the other side of that and the Ravens are in that spot. Um, I think it's really interesting though from the long term perspective because this was supposed to be like Lamar, you know, puts his stamp on the team. He finally, you know, shows up big in the playoffs this kind of year when you have this contract decision coming and now you're not going to see that and you're kind of going to write this off as a mulligan. And I'm not saying the season is all his fault, but I'm saying like you didn't get to fully evaluate him like you wanted to in a crucial spot. And maybe the Ravens find a way to call their way back into this thing and that happens. You know, again, not a 0% chance right now, but it's certainly not looking likely. Um, so it's not just about like this season's a disappointment and that's the end of the world because there is hope for the future, but there's some big decisions to make. And I think the evaluation, like, they're, they're kind of missing some information here. Is there anybody else in the AFC that you want to get to before we take a break and we hit the NFC? 
I mean, the Colts, you know, they're looking like they're cruising to a playoff spot. Carson Wentz did some good things and a big win over the Cardinals. I still think, you know, there's an inconsistency there. Um, but a team that ranks second in takeaways this year, and I think Frank Reich is obviously a pretty good head coach. And Jonathan Taylor, I think, is someone who no team is going to be looking forward to, to having to deal with in the playoffs. Um, they're going to be pretty tough, assuming they don't somehow find a way to win the AFC South, which I don't think they will. Uh they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs, I think. So just mention them real quick. And uh, that's, that's about it. Yeah, all these other teams were kind of just floating, hanging on. It's, we talked to, you know, uh, we talked about the Dolphins here earlier. But, like, are, are they really going to hold on? And even if they do, like, what's their ceiling in the playoffs with Tua? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree about the Colts. They're going to make the playoffs. If they beat the Raiders this weekend, they will clinch their playoff spot. They've won six of their past seven games. And I think you got to give a little bit more love to Carson Wentz. His basically his entire starting oh, offensive on. line was out against the Cardinals, and he still played well. Like, come Due on COVID, now, right? Uh, COVID or injuries or whatever, whatever the reason was. Hmm. Is Carson Wentz vaccinated? <laughs> no. <laughs> now we're blaming Carson Wentz. Look, I don't know how that whole thing started, but nonetheless, the line wasn't there, and he was playing the Cardinals. And he played well. Like, it's okay to give Carson Wentz a little bit of love. I know you've been hurt by him. I know there's some history there. But it's okay to admit that, you know what? He's had a decent year. That's okay. Okay. Great for the Colts. I think they should. So I I tweeted out during this game that the Colts should be in the quarterback market this offseason. And I'm not saying, like, just draft anyone or, you know, find literally any warm body at quarterback. But... I mean, can you imagine that team with Aaron Rodgers or maybe Russell Wilson or, you know, just, I mean, Deshaun Watson gets cleared, which is no, no small assumption. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they could be taken to another level if they had a quarterback who's actually top tier instead of a guy who's kind of just like a game manager right now. Now, that's fair. And especially, I mean, listen, if you have a chance to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, you do it almost regardless of who you have at quarterback. There's only like a handful of teams in the league that wouldn't be interested in that. So, We'll have to see there with the Colts. Like I said, if you want to check out anybody else in the AFC or in anywhere in the NFL, go to bleedinggreennation.com. You can see the Week 17 power rankings. Let's take a break, BLG. When we come back, we'll get to the NFC because you have a lot to watch this weekend. I have a lot to watch this weekend, and our two teams are very, very close together. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the SB Nation NFL show. This is the off-day debrief. All right, BLG, let's get into the NFC a little bit because who would have thought way back at the beginning of the year when the 49ers met the Philadelphia Eagles in week two and ultimately triumphed and you had to sing Tony Bennett, I left my heart in San Francisco, which will live forever. And I'll probably should retweet that video out this week since it's so relevant right now. I left my heart <laughs> in San Francisco. Don't do that. Who would have thought that that win by the 49ers would be be the difference between them being the sixth seed and the seventh seed right now, which is where we are. Both teams are eight and seven. The Niners have the head-to-head win, and that's where they sit. Can you believe that that game had playoff implications? Uh, a little tough to believe, I think. Not impossible, but not exactly what we expected. But it's weird, too, because with the 49ers being ahead of the Eagles for most of the season, I still kind of, right now, I kind of feel better, you know, about where the Eagles are trending, and I feel like there's a pretty good chance they are going to, you know, clinch this playoff spot. And I don't know that the 49ers necessarily are, especially with the uncertainty going on there now, um, with it looking like Trey Lance might be taking over. Your guy, finally, stats, uh, coming through injury. Yeah, kind of a little overdue, right? I mean, this whole, what what a friggin' mess by the 49ers. You know, so for people that don't know, Jimmy Garoppolo has a thumb injury. Kyle Shanahan called it a sprained thumb. And then like two hours after that, Every national NFL writer in the world said, actually, it's a fractured thumb with a torn UCL ligament, which is similar to an injury that Drew Brees had a few years ago where he missed about five or six weeks. Uh, So I don't know the exact nature of the injury. I guess it's a torn ligament. Who knows? But it looks like Trey Lance is going to be the starter. And there's a lot of people saying, well, this is terrible. You're throwing this 21-year-old kid into the fire here. That's a must-win games for the night. I don't want to hear that, Brandon. They could have given Trey Lance the softest of all starts by playing him in the, against the Lions in week one, way back in the beginning of the season. And he could have had 16 games of experience under his belt. But the 49ers didn't do that. They chose to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. So you can't now then complain about what a tough spot it is for Trey Lance. Conditions are not always going to be perfect for you. And so that's where the 49ers are. They got a huge boost last night by the Saints losing. A massive, massive boost for the 49ers and the Eagles, frankly. Uh, So that lightens the load on Lance a little bit. But I agree. It's going to be dicey for the Niners. Uh, They they still have some business to handle, whereas the Eagles can clinch a playoff spot with a win over Washington, and they need losses by the Vikings, 49ers, and Saints. Or Saints. Uh, wait. So wait. So let's let's clear that up in case uh, I messed it up. So yeah. So the Eagles need to beat the Washington Football Team. Well, first of all, let me say how insane is it? Speaking of things we didn't expect, for the Eagles who are two and five to potentially clinching a playoff spot before the final week of the season, and like 
the Eagles could be resting their starters in week 18, which is funny <laughs> because we've all been saying like the Cowboys might be resting their starters against the Eagles, but True. it might be the other way around because the Cowboys might need to play or want to play for playoff positioning and maybe a chance at still getting that one seed, depending on how things shake out here in the final weeks, or at least getting, you know, the number two, the three, like avoiding that number four spot, which maybe honestly though, they might not be the worst thing to fall to that. If you're playing the Cardinals who, by the way, stats, the Cardinals, I'm looking at their schedule here trouble uh like i don't think it's impossible that they make the playoffs on a five game losing streak because they get dallas <laughs> and they get the seattle and obviously the seahawks aren't good but it's a division game and you don't know uh and and the, who cares who it is right now like that the, they lost to the freaking lions like they're not looking good right. so uh so maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to get the number five seed and the eagles actually can bump up to the five seed there is a scenario if the cardinals did lose out and the eagles you know win here um, where they can move up so a lot of things still in play at the nfc but yes again to, to reset that clinching scenario which i got distracted from eagles need to beat washington then you need the so, so let me lay it out in order because it's these games like take place in different windows so the eagles play washington in one o'clock eagles win that game then it goes to the late game window and the eagles need it's kind of weird here, but a 49ers win actually helps the over the Texans would actually help the Eagles clinch. I don't need to get into like the whole nitty gritty of that, but the basic gist of it is it kind of eliminates like there being a three-way tie and that playing in with the Saints and everything. Um, and, or if the Saints lose to the Panthers, so they need one of those two outcomes, 49ers win or Saints loss in that four o'clock window, which would then set up the Sunday night football game between the Vikings your and boy, Packers. Kirk Cousins, and the Packers. <laughs> and isn't it going to be glorious when Kirk Cousins, your guy, RJ's guy, uh, delivers a, clay, a playoff clinch for the Eagles when he loses to Aaron Rodgers on Sunday Night Football? You know, the Vikings had everything in front of them. Win their final three games, and you get into the playoffs. And here it is Sunday, first game of those three, and pff, they poop down their leg, and they lose. And it's just – and again. Who would have guessed? RJ and I have not said that Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback. All we have said with Kirk Cousins guy. is he's not as bad as people say he is. And somehow this is some outrageous statement that people can't seem to get over. But We'll make the playoffs then. RJ on the look ahead is like, well, the Eagles aren't going to make the playoffs. So Kirk, Kirk Cousins is going to you know, play great and he's going to leave them on the outside looking in. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't think that it's going to happen. So where do you have the Eagles right now in your power rankings? So I have them dead center in the middle of the NFL stats, which is number 16 uh, for those tracking at home. So we talked about the Dolphins earlier in terms of beating not so great, you know, quarterbacks here. And the Eagles are kind of in that same boat. Like they're, they're they played freaking Garrett Gilbert last week. They played <laughs> my, uh, Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm this week, which honestly might the Jake Fromm up there with like the worst quarterback I've ever seen the Eagles play. Like just he was he was atrocious. Like the Giants didn't stand a chance with him. It, it was terrible. Um, so now I think the Eagles are crushing those teams though, and good teams do that. Good teams blow out the really bad teams. They don't just like slip by them by the skin of their teeth. So you have to give the Eagles some credit for that. There are a lot of teams in the NFL, like the Jets, or you know some of these really bad teams who can't do that, who can't beat the bad teams consistently. So you give them some credit for that. But at the same time, look at the Eagles' strength of victory metric. And it's the second worst in the NFL. Like only the Falcons, who again, I have no idea how the Falcons have won seven games, but it turns out they've played a lot of terrible teams. Um, that's where the Eagles are. So 
like there's a, still a big question to be answered here about the Eagles when it comes to actually beating a good team because they haven't done that. But I do think they're going to make the playoffs just because um, they have the road here to do that. I don't think the so they play the Washington football team this week who just got you know destroyed by the cool. Cowboys, which I uh, can't wait to talk about that with RJ on the NFC's mixtape. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, but I think that could be a tough game because they're coming off this really bad loss. And if they just kind of get caught looking ahead and thinking, oh, we're going to definitely be in the playoffs, then, well, you know, things might not go so great. And also, these have gotten off to some slow starts in these past two weeks stats, and that's in no small part due to some struggles by Jalen Hurts, who has been inconsistent and might still be feeling the effects from his ankle injury. Also, I should mention that Miles Sanders is going to be out for this week's game, and Jordan Howard is banged up. And that's significant because the Eagles are running, they're are, are basing their offense around their run game. So when you don't have your top two running backs, that's not necessarily ideal. So I think the Eagles are going to be in the playoffs here. Uh, I think they can clinch and, and realistically as soon as this week, week seventeen. Um, but I don't know, you know, what their ceiling is for this season. All the anger you had towards the Philadelphia Eagles this year, and here we are, and they could clinch a playoff spot this week good luck to you i'm rooting for your eagles to get into the playoffs blg see i'm a nice guy so you think the eagles get in do you think the 49ers get in uh i think so you know just looking at you know it is kirk cousins here in that eight spot um they're probably gonna lose to the the niners can clinch with a win against houston this week and a saints loss against the panthers that's the easiest way for them to clinch this week it kind of comes down, I guess, to the 49ers, like, do they blow it? You know, they just do they lose to the Texans who just beat the Chargers, which I don't think so. That feels like a Texans game that is, you know, like kind of a letdown the next week. Like, that's a big win for them. It doesn't feel like now they're dangerous and they're they're riding hot. It was like that was their their big performance. And oh, I don't know, though, because Trey Lance, I think, could be a downgrade in the short term from Jimmy G, who has not exactly been great, but Trey Lance in his first start didn't exactly light the world on fire. And, you know, he, he's it will be a second start. So there's inexperience here. Um, so I, I tend to think the 49ers are going to make it just because I don't feel amazing about the teams behind them. I mean, it's really only the Vikings, right? Like, I don't think we're, we're thinking the Falcons somehow jump up here. The Saints, are I think they're kind of dead, especially if they, you know, they're, they're putting Ian Book out there. Um, and then Washington is, you know, they're six and nine. They're pretty much dead. Um so, yeah, it's, it's more interesting, obviously, in the NFC with five teams already locking up a playoff berth as opposed to the AFC where only one has. Right. Um, but the seeding at the top is still going to be interesting, too. Like right now, the Cowboys are in that number two spot, but the Rams and the Bucks are also 11 and four. Um, and the, the Rams, although, you know, they're they're ahead of the Cardinals right now, they haven't officially clinched the NFC West. So there's, there's still some things to play for. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that seeding shakes out. Several weeks ago, you said... And I quote, it feels like the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. Do you yeah. stand by that quote right now? I do, because I think uh, their defense is playing at a whole other level. They lead the NFL in takeaways. They have playmakers on that side of the ball. It's not just like fluky in terms of they're getting a lot of lucky breaks. Although I think they're getting some some timely turnovers, which it's fine. Like you need some luck to win in the NFL and to win a Super Bowl, especially. Um, but yeah, the offense came alive too against Washington. Uh, so that's really scary sign uh, for everyone else. Dak kind of getting off the slump there. Uh, so yeah, I think the Cowboys are, you know, we, we talk about the team. We, you know, we had Shield Kapadia on earlier. We talked about like the team no one wants to play. 
I, mean, I think it's the Cowboys right now. I don't think it's the 49ers. Sorry, Shield. Uh, like he said at the time, I think I think no one wants to play Dallas. I think they're going to be uh, a problem to deal with. And am I saying all this for reverse jinx? I would never do that. I would never stoop so low to say that. I mean, I did call the Bucks winning the Super Bowl last year. And unfortunately, it looks like I'll be right about the Cowboys as well. Uh, I don't know if I'm willing to say that. I, you know, I look at the top teams in the NFC and I'm like, Packers, Cowboys. Both of those teams are known to have disappointing playoff performances and not just like a few, you know, like it is not, it wouldn't be stunning to anyone if both of those teams did not win a playoff game this year. I think it's wide open everywhere, to be honest with you. Like I don't look at a single team in either conference and be like, if they didn't win a playoff game, I'll be stunned. Like literally anything can happen. And I, to me, that makes it all the more exciting because we have no friggin' clue what we're about to see. And it's probably going to be something amazing. Uh, I think the Packers are going to win at least one playoff game. But the way I know what I said, like they're the, the, the rest of the roster around Aaron Rodgers is not amazing because I brought up the point differential thing. They haven't been playing like lights out football, but he has been. And, and they're probably I think they're going to get, you know, the number one seed and have that extra week of rest, which will, in theory, help Aaron Rodgers and help that team. Uh, but we'll see. See, I don't look at the Packers as like the big bad wolf. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. It's Rogers, not the Packers. It's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers has a ton of bad playoff losses in his career. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same guy I saw lose to the Cardinals multiple times. In the, like, it just happens, man. In and the first so, round, though? I mean, one of those Cardinals ones was right. But I think they're going to get at least one win. I don't know. I'm just saying don't. I don't make anybody a a heavy favorite, excuse me, by any stretch of the imagination. All right, BOT, before we go, we have to give out our MVPs and LVPs of the week. And now, if I am correct here, I have two MVP picks this week and one LVP, and you have the reverse. If you'll allow me, I'll begin with my first MVP of the week. To me, it's A.J. Brown of the Tennessee Titans. I mean, you want to talk about a clutch performance when a team really needed it aj brown stepping up they didn't even think he was going to play this week not only does he play against the 49ers he dominates in the game he was the only guy out there that could make a play for tennessee and it didn't matter because he made just about every single play you could possibly make in the game he had 11 catches eight of those catches came on third down. So that tells you he was making crucial plays, 11 catches, 145 yards in the game, and the go-ahead touchdown. He was an absolute monster, and everybody in the stadium knew he was getting the ball, and it didn't matter. He got it done for Tennessee. That's a really good pick by you, Stats. I was I was looking at a stat line. I was you know thinking back to that game on Thursday night, and I was like, oh, uh, I only have one, so it's, it's going to be tough for me to put that on him, but I hope Stats – Puts him in there, and sure enough, he came through stats, uh, and he did. Uh, yeah, 16 targets for this guy. Teams overcomplicate it sometimes. Like, just get the ball to your best part. Like, force feed it. Nick Sirianni, you know, I think he's doing well. But one thing that I have issue with him is that he said, like, we can't just force feed guys. And I'm like, well, why not? Devontae Smith's really good. Why not give him, like, at least 10 targets a game? And probably good things are probably going to happen. So I think uh, I like how the Titans are leaning on their best player. Mm-hmm. And they're going to really have to continue to do that. Like, this, you know, with, with no Derrick Henry, at least for now, I think this is what they need to do. They need to just... Like not overthink it and just freaking like target AJ Brown a billion times a game. And and if, and if you're going to go down like that, then you'll live with that. Like at least you're trying to get the ball to your very best player. 
and like stop overthinking it and you need to trick people and you need to get everyone involved because you know aj brown might draw extra attention like no he's really good he'll figure it out get the ball to him so good pick by you who's your first mv or only mvp i should say my only mvp uh, so I had two names written down here in case okay. in case you took one of them. Uh, so actually, why don't we go to your one? Because I, I have two here and I want to go with one that you're not going to pick. All right. Well, then if you're going to make me go right now, I'm going to go with Josh Allen of the Buffalo okay. Bills. This was a huge game for the Bills. You know, we all thought that the AFC East was going to be their division from now on after last year. And, you know, it was going to be a sort of a new era. Yet they play New England. It was that crazy weather game. The Patriots got the win. And, you know, you were kind of like unsure of what to think. Yet here comes Josh Allen going into Foxborough. And I think he played the game of his career, to be honest with you. And you could tell watching the game. It was a big game for him. It meant something for him in this game. He knew that they were going to, you know, they could make a statement with this win. And I'd love on fourth down, Sean McDermott says, forget the short field goal or forget the field goal. It's fourth and one. I'm putting the ball in the hands of my best player, and I'm going to let him win the game for us. And Josh Allen gets the ball and rolls to his left. And there are two guys there, BLG. He's dead to rights in the backfield, and he makes a move, gets past both of them, gets the first down, seals the game for Buffalo. They'd go on to score a touchdown on that drive. To me, Josh Allen played a huge game against a division rival with a ton on the line. He gets my second MVP. Another really good pick by you, Stats, and I'm not just saying this. I'm not like, you know, another co-host you might have who just tries to, you know, fluff you up for uh, what actually <laughs> wants to steal your kidney or something. Uh, I, I'm just an objective uh, analyzer here. And some of these clips of Josh Allen going around on Twitter, I think Seth Galina uh, from PFF posted like some of these all 22 clips of these throws from him. And man, they're just unreal. Like it's something you can't appreciate on the broadcast view because you see someone crossing the field and it looks like they're open. But when you see it from like the all 2020, all 22 view, and it's like they're not open. Like this is a very tight window. And Josh Allen's making like opposite hash field throws with anticipation. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Some of those throws are unreal for him to have the arm power and the accuracy. Again, something we talked about as a big bugaboo for him early in his career to be able to do that is is really impressive and it's kind of funny because i feel like people are kind of writing off the bills and not totally unreasonably because they were struggling there and they lost to the patriots but it kind of just felt like well the patriots are back afc east is their division again it's all over it's not all over i mean it might be over for them now because True. to close out the year the bills have the fifth easiest schedule in the league they get the jets and the Falcons. I think they're going to win those games. And if they don't, that would be a very epic collapse. So maybe I just jinxed them, uh, but I think the Dolphins are back in control of the AFC East. Well, the Patriots have the Jags and the Dolphins, so hmm. not quite as easy, but yeah. But credit to Josh Allen. You're right. I mean, some of his throws are just he's a freak, man. Like just darts. And that's when when you got your guy that can do that in a big game, three touchdowns, no turnovers, also led the team in rushing. Like, that is a big boy performance by Josh Allen. All right, so then who is your MVP pick? So I want to give honorable mention here to Davis Mills, who I think, you know, has shown some promise for the Texans, which, you know, I don't know. Is he, is he going to be their franchise quarterback? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know what the ceiling is on Davis Mills, but he's done some good things enough for Houston fans to have, like, something maybe to kind of hang their hats on in a disappointing year and obviously a big upset win over the chargers um, but i can't pick him uh because you know, how valuable 
are you when you're on the Texans? Uh, and also because I think the correct answer is Joe Burrow, <laughs> who yeah. just absolutely crushed the Ravens, who I know the Ravens are missing a bunch of players and specifically in the secondary too. But I mean, 500 plus passing yards, four plus touchdowns and zero interceptions. This only happened three other times in NFL history, as our good friend Shil Kapadia points out. Like, that is incredibly rare regardless of who you're facing and the Bengals offensive performance against the Ravens who they swept, which how many people saw that coming into the year was the third best in a single game this season in terms of EPA per play. Like this was a big spot. You kind of mentioned with, with Josh Allen for the, and against the Patriots. This was a really big spot for Joe Burrow against the Ravens. And it looks like the Bengals are in a solid spot now to clinch the AFC North for the first time since 2015. Um, you know, you have to give credit to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who were big monsters in this game. And Joe Burrow, you know, isn't having this kind of day without those players. So you have to give them some love, too. But at the end of the day, like Joe Burrow, who, you know, there's some inconsistencies with him and the Bengals overall, but that's fine. Like, you've kind of talked about this season being house money. I mean, I kind of, as they're kind of getting better, I kind of don't agree with that because it reaches a point where, okay, you're actually good now. You yeah. have to go out and win. Like, I, I get what you're saying when the season has surpassed expectations. But they're getting to a point where it's like, you know, it'd be a little disappointing if they came out flat-footed in the playoffs and, and didn't kind of, you know, look frisky. Were you surprised at the way the Bengals were throwing with a big lead in that game late? Like, they didn't really take their foot off the gas. And they kind of asked Joe Burrow about it afterwards. And he was like, no, nope, I don't feel bad for anybody, which I love from Joe Burrow because I agree. But I'm surprised, you know, rivalry game, division game. And the Bengals were like, forget it, man. They're down and we're not taking our foot off the gas. I mean, the Ravens do that to other teams. Like there was a whole you know, big thing with Vic Fangio early in the year, which is a loser move on his part, to be clear. But, you know, I think the Ravens would do the same thing if they were in that spot. So not at all. You know, it's a rivalry game. Uh, why not take advantage of it and stomp on their throat to make a statement? So uh, I like it. And I think the Bengals are in a nice spot here heading into the postseason again. Like, what's the ceiling? Is Joe Burrow going to be able to light the league on fire in the playoffs when first-time quarterbacks kind of tend to struggle or at least not have these amazing runs? But I think, you know, they're going to be they're going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be fun, that is for sure. All right, this is a week where I am a little sad that I only have one LVP, so I'm going to depend on you to do the right thing and, and take one of the people that oh. I don't. Um, and this is somebody that's gotten LVP points from us in the past. I got to give it to Matt Rule. Like, your team is a disaster. You lose this game to the Bucs. You get blown out. You're 10 and 21 in your two years. There were literally fire rule chants as he walks <laughs> off the field after the game. And then he gets up in front of the microphone, BLG, and he starts talking about, well, it took Jay-Z seven years, and it's working. I know it's working, but nobody can see it. Like, what kind of a comment is that? Like, dude, if nobody can see it, maybe you're the one that's wrong. Did you ever think of that? It, to me, you always talk about big loser energy. That is huge loser energy to me from Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. I have to give him my LVP point. I couldn't believe the quotes as I was reading them on Sunday night. I think in hindsight, I should have been more down on the Matt Rule hire, not because of his coaching acumen, which I don't know, hasn't necessarily been great. But I think one of the big things I said about him was like, I like the idea of Matt rule, but especially going into this year, I hate the quarterbacks he picks. Like, like, <laughs> come on, like 
Teddy Bridgewater last year. Okay, whatever. Like that's not the worst thing ever because you know they're kind of finding their footing. It's a bridge year. It's Bridgewater. Um, <laughs> this year though, you know, like again, they forced the trade for Sam Darnold, which they didn't need to do. And I feel like while ultimately, you know, you have to give some blame to the GM and the owner and all of that for signing off. Like I feel like that was probably driven by Matt Rule, like the need to win now because Matt Rule is probably has too much power. And again, this is a big reason why I should have been more down on him because coaches, you know, as we talk about who have that personnel power, except for the rare exceptions like a Belichick or Pete Carroll or whatever, uh, typically doesn't work out well. And there have been times for those coaches even that hasn't worked out well for them. Uh, and I think that's kind of what drove that really bad move. And then also even like bringing Cam back. I think it's all like there's there's no longer term vision here. It's kind of like we need to win now. I, I'm the coach. Like, and it, And to be fair, it is the coach's job to think that way. But you can't have the coach be the DM because the DM can't think that way. They have to think about the bigger picture. And I think Matt Rule has lost sight of that. And we all made fun of Nick Sirianni for his, uh, you know, his his quote about like the roots are, be, you know, the, the, it's, it's underground right now. You can't see it, but it's going to develop into a flower. And the Eagles, sure enough, have blossomed. So I guess, you know, it worked out for Sirianni. But the Jay-Z thing, which apparently uh, like Matt Rule talks to his players about and it wasn't just something he said in the media is really bizarre. And I, I just don't feel like this is going to end well for Matt Rule. I don't really see the path here other than maybe they just kind of panic trade again for Deshaun Watson, regardless of his status, who knows. Um, but yeah, I, I did have Matt Rule written down as one of my potential LVP candidates. So you took him for me instead. All right. So please tell me that with one of your choices, you are taking the other team that I'm thinking of. Uh, who is your first LVP? Well, the first team or the first person I have here. Uh, and I'm throwing this team in the pit of misery. Please follow Sir Brad. He's going to give you a private tour of the pit of misery. I'm sorry, what? The Giants have basically been in the pit of misery because they're tied for the worst record in the NFL since the start of 2017. I think this goes all the way to the top, though. This isn't just about, like, Joe Judge or, you know, Daniel yep. Jones. Like This is John Mara. This is the owner who has, like, overseen... An, an era of incompetence. And by the way, like bringing back Joe Judge and Daniel Jones and being like, we're just going to double down on this baby and they're going to get rid of Gettleman and they're going to promote this Kevin Abrams guy who has like been in their front office. They're going to be like, we have the answers in house. We don't need to look for a GM outside. It's such garbage. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. I hate when teams do this. Like they just think that the answer is always in house. We just have to promote this guy. If Kevin Abrams is so good, like, why hasn't he been able to help the Giants be more successful like now? Like, he, he needs to just get more power, and that's the, the simple fix? That's going to be the solution? I don't think so. So the Giants are pathetic. You trotted out. Just, just complete dreck at quarterback against the Eagles. I can't believe the Eagles lost to this team. They're just, <laughs> honestly, right now, the state that the Giants are in with Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon, like, they might be the very worst team in the NFL. I have them at 31 in my power rankings, just above the Jags, who are also pretty terrible. I don't know. The Jags, like, might be able to beat this current iteration of the Giants. If the Giants have Daniel Jones, I think, you know, they're, they're a little bit better, but they are just hopeless, and they have these two first-round picks, you know, next year. We'll see what they do with them, but I don't know, man. That roster, all that, and, and they might not have the right head coach. Like, it's all just bad. <laughs> I'm that is exactly who I wanted you to take with your other LVP point with what the Giants are doing by saying you're keeping Daniel Jones and you're keeping Joe Judge and you're getting rid of Dave Gettleman. Like this doesn't make any sense to me. What you're saying is Gettleman has picked the wrong players, so he deserves to lose his job. 
yet we're keeping Daniel Jones, the quarterback, which if your GM has picked a quarterback and you've decided that the quarterback is not the problem, how do you fire that GM? It just, it makes no sense to me. Now you got Joe judge there. You're going to bring in a new GM who may necessarily not want Joe judge or Daniel Jones at quarterback. So then now you've got two parts of the franchise with competing goals and you cannot win with that scenario because the first part of this next GM's tenure is going to be, well, you know what? I need to get my guy in there. I need to get my guy as a head coach. I need to get my quarterback. And that's just, it's just a bad look. You got to start fresh. You got to clean out the old and bring in a new regime, new quarterback, new coach, new era. Otherwise you're just going to be stuck in this sort of purgatory. And they've seen that with what the New York jets have done in recent history. So it's not like they have, you know, no idea of why this is bad. They just continue to make mistake after mistake. And I totally agree. It's on ownership. All of this happens under John Mara's watch. The Giants think they're a blue blood franchise, and they're really not. They just aren't, and they just keep screwing up. They're really bad, and it's really a gift for the NFC, like for the yeah, Eagles. You should and the be Cowboys. thrilled. It, it is. It's. It's honestly. Again, I've I've reached the point where I don't actually feel bad for the Giants. I never will, but like I almost do. I, I'm at the point where I almost feel bad for them because it's so pathetic. Like it's not even like fun to stick the knife in them all the time because like it's just it's too easy. It's just the low hanging fruit. They're, they're so <laughs> pathetic. It's reached a point where like beating them doesn't elicit like a ton of excitement anymore. It's just like expected. It's like yeah, it's the Giants. Like they're terrible. If you lose to that team, then it's a disgrace. Which is why it was a disgrace when the Eagles lost to them earlier this season. Um, but yeah, they're they're definitely at the bottom there. And again, I I just don't. What do you hang your hat on? Like, I talk about that a lot, but like. Joe Judge hasn't shown anything. And I was talking to Big Blue View last week ahead of the Eagles-Giants game. But, like, like, what about Joe Judge, like, gives you any kind of semblance of hope? Right. And they couldn't really point to anything. And it just – it's basically, like, it's some cost fallacy. It's like, well, we just don't want to change coaches. Like, that can't be your number one reason for not changing coaches. It's because you don't want to do it because you've done it a lot <laughs> before. Like, that's, that, that's not going to lead you to getting to the right guy. I, I think teams as a whole in the NFL are too patient. It's like, what are you waiting for? Like, you're just like, we just need to let this wait. We just need to let this develop. Like, no, like you're really bad. It's time to pull the plug, uh, but they won't because they're giants and they're awful. <sighs> All That's right. That's a shame. Who's your last yeah, LVP? Too, too, too bad for them. Uh, my last LVP. So I originally had a name written down here. I think I'm going to stick with it. Um, although I will say honorable mention or dishonorable mention, Cliff Kingsbury, who I think I'm going to wait to give an LVP point when the Cardinals do head into the playoffs so the oh and five or at the very best like a one and four let's say they beat seattle okay so you're just one and four in your final five games heading to the playoffs uh i'm gonna give it to the quarterback on the opposite side of the matchup uh that you gave an mvp point to i'm gonna give it to mac jones because you know, he's a rookie and you know like look uh is is like you know, the patriot i think he still had a good year overall you know relative to expectation and everything but down the stretch, I think he's kind of hitting a bit of a rookie wall. That or his limitations are just being exposed because you look at uh, the Patriots' final or most recent three games here, which they've gone one and two in. And one of those games was the, you know, the game where he attempted three passes. And he's a 57.4 passer rating over his last three starts. Uh, and the Patriots might falter a little bit here down the stretch, you know, because they get Miami, who are playing tough. 
And they also get the Jags, who you know they should be able to beat. But we'll see how that goes. So uh, I think Mac Jones is ultimately going to limit this team's ceiling, as we all kind of expected in the playoffs, because not only is he not playing well, but he's young. And again, it's tough for those quarterbacks to thrive in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a tough standard here. He's a rookie, but uh, I am merciless and unforgiving. And that's just how the MVP LVP section goes. So he gets my LVP. You never want your worst three games to come in December. And that's exactly what's happened to Mac Jones. I think that people have not been grading him accurately the entire year. They've only been grading him and comparing him to other rookie quarterbacks, which I understand the the instinct to do that. But you also have to just look at him objectively as a quarterback. He has not blown me out of the water by any stretch of the imagination. And I just think that he's been exactly what he was advertised as coming out of the draft. A guy that can largely protect the ball, get the ball in the right places most of the time. But in terms of a super high ceiling, it's just not there. And to me, that's what we see when we look at Mac Jones. And I don't mean that as a knock. I just mean like, yeah, he's not terrible. That's it. That's where we are with Mac Jones. You know, like a lot of people, I know a lot of Niner fans were were so relieved when he wasn't to pick at three. And because the expectations for him were just, this kind of just a dude out there that you can find pretty much every year in the draft. I don't think he's been bad this year. I don't think he's been great, but you're right. 14 of 32 against the bills in a game. You have to have no touchdowns, two picks. That is not going to get it done. Well-deserved LVP pick by you. Thanks. That's I try, you know, i look on this show. We do the yeoman's work. That's all I'll say. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. Again, rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. You can leave ratings and reviews now on Spotify. So if that's where you are listening, thank you. We appreciate it. But show your appreciation for us by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. If you take the time to do it, I promise you, we will read it on the show. BLG, I'm glad you had a good holiday. It's good to talk to you again. Glad both of our teams are going to make the playoffs in 2021. And uh, I will talk to you next week, sir. Merry Clinchmas. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks. It can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.